Bonjour, hola, and hello. Welcome to another episode of Misfit Fantasy Footballers. Oh man, is that even right? I don't know. I'm rolling with it. One take and one take only. I am Jacob Dupree, aka JD, the commissioner, and I'm accompanied not by one very special person tonight, but two. Jance and Taylor are here, and I have to do this, and this is why I'm talking first, but as Cowboys fans, how are you feeling? How many tubs of ice cream will it take to drown out the sorrow? Taylor, we'll start with you. It, it was very somber, uh, especially as someone that, you know, makes his living in Dallas. It's it's rough. There's a lot of Cowboys fans, but we actually have a lot of surrogates from California that have been diehard 49ers fans. So Oof. let's just say this morning did not go as planned. This week was very much a heated rival between the trash talking, the camaraderie going on amongst coworkers. And so it was very rough. Um, am I shocked? No, because I mean, on schedule deck through two interceptions and you and all three of us know you do not throw a pass from the right hash all the way to the left sideline. Unless like, if you see that the wide receiver is open, I'm guaranteeing you the cornerback's going to see that he's also open <laughs> and he threw it right to him. And one of the guys that I was sitting with, he was like, that was a perfect pass to the middle linebacker. I was like, yeah, yeah, it was. That was- hey, I, I put that one. I think is I think, is that the one that was to CD land? Yes. I skew more to put that one on CD. Cause if I like, at least when I watched it, it might just be my CD hate coming through. No, Instead of coming I, I straight across the line, he like went a yard deep, which gave the corner time to sneak in. So, so here's the thing with CD, right? Still shouldn't have thrown it. I'll say that. I, much. Yeah, no, he should have not thrown that ball across the middle. The, the one that should have been picked off was the one that he went deep where uh, T.Y. Hilton on the opposite side was completely open. And I know they're going to say that they were playing cover three and that safety was kind of playing center field. But come on, seriously, he was trying to force feed CD Lamb. And I was talking about this earlier with some uh, co-workers. I was like, I don't know if he was thinking... I, I don't know if Kellen Moore got in his ear and he's like, hey, we got to feed the ball to CeeDee Lamb because Tony Pollard is out. Like he is going going to be your go-to weapon. Why did they not get Michael Gallup involved more? Why did they not get Tony, uh, Dalton Schultz involved earlier till, you know, the last two minutes of, of the uh, <laughs> of the game trying to get him involved there at the end? Why did they not try to get T.Y. Hilton more involved? I, I think they try to focus it way too much on the stars and – honestly, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, confidence, especially after Tony Pollard went out with that gruesome high ankle sprain. Oh no, he fractured that sucker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's, it's just gross. Um, But you know, it's, it's expected. I mean, this is 30 years now, basically, or 28 years of ineptitude of not being able to get to an NFC championship game. I'm not even talking about a Super Bowl anymore, but the NFC championship game. Um, you know, Dak's being paid four years, $160 million. He's the $40 million man. And I know that's, Hey, that's what quarterbacks are supposed to be going for. But the difference is, is do you want to be Kirk cousins, Derek Carr for the rest of your life? Or do you want to be Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes? I mean, that that's honestly the real question here of what type of tier of quarterback that he wants to be. And that was a legacy game. Everyone kept talking about how it was a legacy game. And he just didn't show up. And at the end of the day, it's on the back of the quarterback, regardless, kind of like last week when everyone was thrashing Tom Brady. It's on the quarterback at the end of the day. You uh, you know, the team wins the games, the quarterback loses them. So chance that's it's your time to shine. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird things to where like I've gotten to the point in my life to where I don't have confidence in the Cowboys ever. Um going in this game, I I expected them to lose, but I was hopefully optimistic. Um, but despite that fact, once the game started, I find find myself getting excited and hopeful and thinking they could maybe pull it out. And then as time goes on, you just get the soul sucked out of you. And you remember why you don't find hope in this team, because the same thing always happens. And what I was talking to my dad about, who I watched the game with yesterday, is it's not the fact – that they lose that frustrates me. It's how they lose that makes me so angry because they don't ever just go out there and just get beat straight up by the other team. I mean, it's not like the 49ers came out there and just ground and pounded them and just mm-hmm. smashed them in the ground and just beat them like crazy. That's not what happened. I mean, without those two devastating turnovers, one of which was deep into San Francisco territory, I think the Cowboys should win that game. I mean, I think they should have had a 10-point lead at halftime because without the turnovers, San Francisco gets three points 
and Dallas missed, missed an extra point with a chance to get at least a touchdown or a field goal on one drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what frustrates me. And I think I saw a quote from Michael Parsons that summed it up really well, is if you subtract that field goal that San Francisco scored off the deck turnover and they got like their own at Dallas' 20, it means the defense gave up 16 points. Yeah. And as he said, if, you, if the defense gives up 16 points, you expect to win the game. I would have expected them to win the game, and they couldn't do it. And so – Forget losing. I expect that. I can understand it if they just got ran through, but it, they made enough mistakes, and San Francisco, to their credit, did not make any, and that's what makes a good football team, and that's what for 20-plus years has kept the Cowboys down is they always find ways to beat themselves, and that's what just crushes me about this franchise, and every year I'll always root for them. I'll always be a Cowboys fan, but I just get less and less <laughs> optimistic about their chances the more time goes on. And I'll just let you guys know, as an outside observer, watching that game, the Dallas's window to win was about the first quarter and a half because that's when they were looking good on both sides of the ball. The defense was fresh. The offense was mostly okay. But after that first quarter and a half, once they weren't didn't have like a two touchdown or not two touchdown lead. Once they haven't scored two touchdowns by then, because they should have by all counts, they should have probably been up fourteen to three or seventeen to seven at some point in that game because Brett Maher, thankfully to the Lord, made a field goal. But from my, even my side of things, I'm like the defense should be salty with the offense because the defense did their job. Anytime your defense holds a team that was started off in the red zone. Two, I think it was two field goals from two drives that started like on your 30-yard line, and you hold that, that to six points, that's entirely on the offense's problem. And I think that's on mostly on Dak, but I will say there was some questionable play calling. But whenever you lose your eruption of a running back in Tony Pollard pretty early, you do have to shift, but that's part of the game. You have to shift and change around. Well, to answer Tara's question from earlier, at least my perspective on it, <clears throat> We talked about the entire year, especially after they lost Amari Cooper for a six-round pick, that we – at least I thought they needed somebody else in the receiver room to really take them over the top, and they didn't really go out and get anybody. And Michael Gallup was coming off torn ACL. And once Tony Pollard exited with his injury – They were flat. Cowboys just don't have a lot of explosive players. Zeke's not that guy anymore. Dalton Schultz, as great as he is a tight end, is not an explosive guy. T.Y. Hilton can still take the top off of defense, which it's is great. T.Y. Hilton, that's how desperate right. they were for someone to run down the field. Right, right. But, but whenever it's time to win these games, you get the ball in the hands of your playmakers and guys that are explosive. And without Tony Pollard, CeeDee Lamb is the only guy in the offense that can do that. And usually they could rely on the run game to kind of stem having to rely on that. But San Francisco has the number one run D in the league. So that was – more than likely never going to work. They were going to have to win that game on on uh, Dak's arm, and they just they didn't have a lot of weapons. I mean, CD had like 14 catches for 120 yards, mm-hmm. but, I mean, they were they were giving them that because nothing was going to get behind him in that defense. Definitely. Taylor, you got any last words for it? No, just other – hey, an, an, another year down the tubes. Um, <laughs> I will say I would recommend uh, Troy Aitman's beer. It's, it's a good, nice, light lager if okay. anyone's looking for adult beverages. 21 and only people, come on. We respect the law most of the time, unless you speed or drive with your seatbelt undone. Not a sponsor, but should be. <laughs> Troy Aikman. <laughs> um, but, so, as I mentioned last week, since these two yahoos left me all by my lonesome, if we all three got together, we're going to do a mock draft, because guess what? It's fun. It's a good time. And now we actually have people declared, so like C.J. Stroud officially going, Bijan officially going, Quentin Johnston is like officially going, so... We can now officially put some pen to paper, metaphorically speaking. So we did a random generation. Your boy here lucked out with the first pick. And is it lucked out or is it copped out? I'll plead the fifth. Um, We'll go Jacob, Jacob, Taylor, and we'll just kind of keep in that rotation all the way through. So is it a, are we doing snake or linear? No, we're still linear. It makes life easier. Less confusing. All right, all right, all right. We're not competing just yet. Uh, so e- easy peasy, lemon squeezy, pick 101. I'll we'll start it off. We're doing super flex. I think I already said that, but just to reiterate, I'm still going to pick Bijan just because he's the best player on this board by far. He's being compared to Saquon Barkley and um, Jonathan Taylor and just kind of the likes of that cast of people. I saw a comparison at one point to a thicker Ladanian Tomlinson, which should be scary and also very lofty goals, but I think if you're sitting at one-on-one and you don't thirst for a quarterback, 
you take Bijan Robinson. But I will say, if you do thirst for a quarterback, you should trade back to the one three or the one two if you can, because in Superflex, the top three picks are solidified, one hundred percent going to be the same three people every time. If you're in a you know dynasty league who has people who have thinking processes in their brain, but Bijan's going to be the best player I think for the short term window. Now, here's a two-minute conversation I have for you guys. If you are in this situation, would you rather have the running back who should be better for about five years or the quarterback who should be good for about 10 years? I know this is a roster construction conversation just at its root, but running back is more scarce. But yet in Superflex, I feel like you could argue that the 10-year window of a quarterback is also kind of a rarity. You're, I think your need is is what's important here. It's, we'll put it this way. If – we all think that Bijan right out of the gate is top five dynasty running back pretty clearly. Um, if you could guarantee me that same thing from Bryce Young, say you tell me that he's going to be a top six quarterback, I'm, I'd take Bryce Young over him in Superflex if that were the case. Because quarterback value is so um, so huge in this context. The problem is with running backs, it's much easier to take him from college and interject him into an NFL offense and know that he's going to be productive because there's not – a ton else that has to translate between besides his ability and obviously the um, the talent of the team around him. Mm-hmm. With quarterbacks, though, it's such a mixed bag that you just don't always know how these guys are gonna gonna work out. Even on the ones that we're confident in, sometimes even at their ceiling, they end up being a top ten guy or even like a Baker Mayfield who we thought was great, showed promise, and now nobody would care to have him in fantasy. So it just comes down to the fact of how confident are you in these quarterbacks. And so I think this is the first year in quite a while. It's something that I think most people in Superflex drafts are going to take running back number one, just because it seems like such a guarantee over the quarterbacks. Um, but that's not to say that if you're somebody that's quarterback needy, you shouldn't take that at the one-on-one, because I think this is also a pretty good quarterback class, at least better than the last couple of years. The top two are pretty good. Other than that, I'm good. Thanks, though. <laughs> Wait, you, you mean Will Levis being one-on-one? The fact that I've seen mock drafts that have the Colts <laughs> trading up to one to take Will Levis <laughs> makes me want to throw up. I don't. I'm, I don't understand. I don't understand the love because he's big and he can run a little bit, and he's got a howitzer attached to his right I, shoulder. I can tell if if our leagues are anything like the conversations we have. I'm probably going to have a lot of Will Levis shares because I'm probably the highest on him of all of us. Not that I've watched a ton of tape. I haven't. But, Go watch the tape, bud. <laughs> well, my point There's some is, good moments. There's some good my moments. My point is, is, and once again, PFF, for instance, is not the end-all, be-all. Let's, let's preface that. But those are people that they get paid for a living to exclusively watch film. And people like groups like PFF and other groups love Will Levis. I'm very PB and jealous of that. Me <laughs> too, 100%. And so that's the thing. I, is, is There's things I like about him as far as his build, his arm strength, all that sort of stuff. The thing I'm going to look for when I watch film is how was he under pressure? Because that's the one thing, in my opinion, that translates the most from college to professional. Because a lot of these guys, whether it's quarterbacks at Ohio State or Alabama, these guys don't experience the kind of pressure you would experience on an NFL field from the standpoint of just dudes bearing down on you all the time. Right. And from the little bit that I've heard, once again, this is just hearsay, I've heard that on the film that's one of his better attributes is that he – plays well whenever he's being blitzed or whatever. So right. all that to say, I'll probably take him higher in this draft than you guys would, and I'm expecting to probably have a lot of shares. Not that I'm just going to be looking for him, but if he continues to fall like seems to be happening amongst most of the consensus out there in the fantasy community, I'll probably have a lot of shares. Just because I'm needing like to have the last word of this conversation, I will also say that PFF had Malik Willis as their second-best quarterback. So... And Trey Lance is like their second or third best quarterback. PFF had Trayvon Diggs as one of the worst corners, and we had this discussion. We knew, I'll say that I thought, that he was a very good corner, and this year was another indication that's the case. So it's not a full sell 100%, but I do think it matters. All right, Jance, enough of the jibber-jabber. Who are you taking at 102? This is where it gets interesting because now we're talking about those quarterbacks. Everyone keeps using my word. That's his word. (laughs) Sorry. Um, It it comes down to two guys. I would either take Bryce Young here, in my opinion. Or Will Levis. I knew it. You're a freak. The consensus (laughs) best quarterback here. 
or it's Jameer Gibbs. I love both of them. Ooh, that's um, froggy. If I'm a team that feels pretty confident with my quarterbacks, for instance, in one of our leagues, I believe it's super. It's definitely super flex. I have um, Trevor Lawrence and Daniel Jones. That feels a lot better now than it did six weeks ago. Um, I would probably lean more towards Jameer Gibbs in that context because I like both those quarterbacks. Interesting. Um, so, so for these purposes, I will take Jameer Gibbs. Oh. Um, I love his explosiveness. I love the fact that he's a great catcher of the football, which, as you guys know, is so um, valuable, especially in our PPR leagues. Um, and though he's not quite on Bijan's tier, it, it's not a huge jump down, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people are missing that. That while he's not the one hundred and one, he is about as good of a one hundred and two as you're going to find in most of these drafts. I mean, any other draft, literally, if without Bijan being in it, he's probably going one hundred and one consensus so i love him at the 102 i think that is steel and most if this opinion doesn't change we might fight because i'm still completely torn on jameer gibbs between being super good or super deandre swift ish um I love taylor, DeAndre swift so that makes sense it does make sense <laughs> why you love him this high taylor what's what's your thoughts on jameer over cj stratton and bryce young at this point in a super flex draft nonetheless I think it depends on the team's need. I, I feel like you could get Jameer in that four to five range, honestly. Uh-huh. So I feel like if you have the number two position there, and, and it's one of those things that, that we as dynasty owners need to analyze the field, unless you just have like that anarchy owner that's going, I'm going to have five quarterbacks on my roster, <laughs> you know? Uh, so we you need to first analyze the landscape to see what your opponent's needs are to be able to kind of figure out, okay, am I going to be able to get this guy later on? Is it going to be early? What's going to happen here? Um, and, and I feel like Jameer Gibbs is the clear cut number two running back in this uh, class. He was phenomenal at Alabama the way that he, I mean, he was literally the only playmaker out of that Alabama offense. And that's saying something, to, uh, you know, considering how many uh, talented players in the running back wide receiver and to a lesser extent, the tight end position over the last several years, they just didn't have that same wide receiver core at Alabama. So he, he was the number one, uh, as uh, Jance had said earlier, he, he was the only explosive player in that offense um, and and being able to make moves uh, to be able to keep the chains moving, especially during that Tennessee game. Uh, when they uh, unfortunately lost. But one of the reasons they were able to stay in it was because of Jameer. Yeah, I mean, it's just, if this does happen and you are in a super flex league and you need a quarterback, this is when you start aggressively contacting the 1-4, whoever's sitting there. Because, I mean, I put Bryce Young, CJ Stroud at about the same level. Like, obviously, their landing spot's going to be impacted. Um, But still, like, this is where I would aggressively start contacting them. Because especially, like, if they're like Jansen, they're – they're okay with the quarterback position. They got some decent young guys. They don't necessarily have that need. You either ask them, it's like, hey, who are you taking at 1-4? <laughs> like, if it's going to be a non-quarterback, you go to the 1-5. Um, but you sit there and you just try to move up, especially, I think, if you're like a championship-ish team. Yeah. Because you don't necessarily, like, you'll have, not necessarily have the draft capital, but you will have some players that you could probably package together to get there. Chance, you have a thought? Yeah, well, I was just going to say, um, wow, totally lost my point for a second. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I've queued up. You see me pointing. And I've totally lost it. Um, come back to me later. I'll get back to you. That's okay. All right. So we are to Taylor at the 103. Fire away. You have a surprising choice between Bryson and CJ Stroud or whoever the heck you want. I know both quarterbacks are still on the board. I think personally, I, I think a wide receiver, I'm not going to say yet because I want to keep it for myself. Or not. Uh, no, it's, I, Jay, I think, it's Jackson Smith. I'm taking bets. JSN. I, I think I think one of the the top three wide receivers needs to be in that top three position. Um, but for the sake of the mock draft, I'm going to take a quarterback and I'm going to go at the Heisman Trophy winner. Do Bryce what Young. your heart says, baby. Do what your heart says. If you want the other guy, get the other guy. No, I'm, I'm going to take Bryce Young because we need to pair him back up with our, our boy John Mechie the third oh, um, down it. in Houston. Stop it. I've been playing with John Mechie on uh, Madden. He's been playing great um, <laughs> in, in this alternate reality. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Bryce Young, I mean, what can you say about the guy? Um, he's a terrific leader. 
the way that he was able to lead his team over the last two years and what is considered quote unquote, the, the worst era or the worst period, so to speak of, of the Alabama dynasty, which is saying something because they lost in a national championship game. And then they just felt, fell to expectations. But I mean, the, the game against Kansas state, that was a blow off game. He shouldn't have even played, but you know, he wanted to be there for his guys, finish out the season strong through for five touchdowns in that sugar bowl I mean, Bryce Young is a, I understand he's small in stature, but we said the same thing about Devontae Smith and he's doing okay. So I've learned my lesson for that. And I think Bryce Young, you know, he can put a little bit more weight on his frame. And I think he's going to be a, a, a weird melting pot between Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. I think he has the flexibility in the pocket of a Russell Wilson but has the, uh, or sorry, not the flexibility, the the mobility within the pocket of a Russell Wilson, but he has the uh, presence of the pocket like Drew Brees. Does that make sense or is it clear as mud? No, I got you. Okay. Now, and what I want to say about um, Bryce Young is, you know, we, we see Alabama and we think they're big name defenses and all that. But the last two years in reality, their defense has not been production-wise what we expect them to be. Yeah, not so world Bryce Young is. Rice Young has had to play a lot of high-scoring games, and they've had to lean on him more than perhaps past quarterbacks because the defense right. just hasn't quite been there. Um, even in a game, uh, one that I watched extensively, when they played Texas, Texas. They, were, they were terrible for the entire game. Texas yeah. had a good game plan, and they just didn't have any momentum. But they got the ball in his hands in that last drive, and it was like a completely different team walked on the field, and he just wheeled them down the field. They scored no big deal, and they won the game. Um, even the games they lost against LSU – in Tennessee, I mean, they scored like 42 points in both of those. So, I mean, every time I've watched him, he played great in the biggest moments when they needed him. That's one of yeah. his biggest selling points if I'm his agent or anybody else. Um, and to your Devonta Smith point, I know it's a different position, but the the size and the stature and the frame of these guys matters. We know it does to NFL teams. But there are these players that can transcend – the typical build of these guys. We've seen, like you mentioned, with the likes of Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, these guys that were perceived to be too small to play quarterback. I think he's in that mold. Even though he is small in stature in that way, he just plays football so well, and he really seems to be a team leader and somebody that's good in the best moments, uh, in the biggest moments, I should say. So I, I love the pick. And to finish real quickly on the point I missed. There it is. We found this, it. Don't worry. <laughs> This is one of the drafts, I think, to where you can trade up and get in those top three picks, which in the past has been very hard to do because those top three to four are usually pretty solidified. Mm -hmm. But since, like you mentioned, people are probably going to have different opinions on whether to take the running back or the quarterbacks because they're right there in the same sphere, I think you're going to have a lot of movement on draft day or just before it, which – makes for a lot of fun for people like us or in the rest of your drafts, obviously. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I will echo that because for me, it's all going to come down to my evaluation of, you know, Jameer Gibbs in the top two wide receivers on if I think the top four are going to be about the same. Um, I don't know, but yeah, like what you said, I think I agree with you by saying that this is one of the drafts where I think you can get to the top four and like trade up into it because there's not necessarily that, I feel like that hard consensus line of, this is the guy where there's a hard break. I do think that, you know, personally with super flex, it's Bijan and the two top quarterbacks, but then from about four to 11, four to 12, or honestly four to 14, because I did a mock draft the other day where I was like, honestly, I love majority of these guys coming back through this area to where it's going to be after the NFL draft where like their landing spots going to determine most of their value. And I feel like this year, that is going to be more so prevalent than it was the last couple of years, honestly, because there's talent all throughout this, this draft pool, especially with the running backs. Like you can take running back probably two through about 14 and interchange them left and right up and down. I'm not going to argue too much with it. Um, but what I will say is if this is how the draft's going to fall with it going Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, Bryce Young, I would be sprinting, to whatever podium I need to sprint to, to scream from the mountaintops. So I will be drafting CJ Stroud at the 104 in a super flex league. Oh yeah. Um, I would say that I think CJ Stroud probably has a higher ceiling than Bryce Young, but I think his floor is much lower. Um, of the two quarterbacks, he's definitely more of the boomer bust because yes, I know Justin Fields, we, you know, and we, me and Jance have talked about before about how Ohio state quarterbacks don't always pan out, you know, how the jury's still mostly out on Justin Fields. 
yes, he had a great year, but the year before was absolutely horrifying. Um, then going all the way back to, oh, what was his name? I can't think of it. I mean, you have Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones, Dwayne Haskins was another guy. And then there's yeah. Troy Smith, the Heisman winner from like 20 whatever. Yeah. And so like six. They were supposed to be all that in a bag of potato chips, but it just didn't pan out. Yeah. But anyways, I think CJ Stroud, he has the arm talent to carry and to kind of make well, up for some of his TP. The former wide receiver of the Washington Redskins. That's right. They were the Redskins then, so I can say it. But um, and that was the guy I kept missing. God, thank you. Um, but CJ Stroud, I think, has the arm talent. He has the ability to get out of the pocket. I, I know that he can run the ball, but I think that's just going to be more one of those like sprinkles on top of the donut type of endeavor, endeavors. He's going to make his money by his arm strength and his accuracy down the field. I will have questions about his short to intermediate, but whatever. That that can be hammered out through working with an NFL coach. Um, honestly, these top two quarterbacks, it might depend on where they go. Like if the Texans get a decent like quarterback friendly, you know, either coordinator or quarterbacks coach or head coach, Bryce Young is going to be the smash 101, you know, 101, 102, whatever. But if CJ Stroud is in the same thing, I feel like you really have that argumentative and quantitative question of who would I rather have. Um, but this it's just going to be one of those things that we'll find out as the draft season happens and unfolds in front of our eyes. Um but just to quickly recap the first four, I know I said it a second ago, but it's Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, Bryce Young, and then CJ Stroud at 104. Um, Jance, I will ask the question to you, since you're up at 105, which direction do you feel like you're leaning? Because I know now we've kind of entered into the broad pool of pick your favorite. So I think this is about the time you begin to look at the wide receivers on the board here. Um, you're going to have somebody, maybe a group of people in your leagues that will even take them higher, and that's perfectly fine. But th- this, the wide receiver options in this draft class, to me, um, are a little bit down than perhaps what we're used to. I think the top end of it's pretty good, but after that it kind of takes a little bit of a dive down. But with that said, really I think you're looking at two names here. Um, it's going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba and Quentin Johnston. In my all honesty, I continue to go back and forth on these two guys. I don't have a clear leader. As I get more into the tape, I'm sure I'll come away with one side or the other, at least I'm hoping to. Um, but even amongst the fantasy community, it seems like those two guys are just neck and neck with each other. Um, I think for me, I'm leaning towards Jackson Smith and Jig, but just ever so slightly, if you have to ask me, simply because um, last season was huge for him. I know – there were uh, two receivers ahead of him in, in Garrett Wilson, obviously Chris Olave, which can t- kind of take away from his performance, but he still just <laughs> went nuclear. And we had this discussion, we don't need to get into it further, but you ask anybody to a man and they just say that he's fantastic at just about everything. He's a great route runner. Um, he's got speed, he's got athleticism. I mean, just does, he's a really well-rounded receiver and he's a little bit bigger than you might think. Um and I, for me, I'm not going to – to me, the missing the year with injury doesn't bother me so much. If it was something that we knew was lingering, then yeah, but we don't have any indication of that. Um, so I really like his prospects. Um, I mean, if, 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 if there's one thing that Ohio State does, we talked about how they don't seem to produce good quarterbacks. They do produce but They sure receivers. do produce good wide receivers. I, I, I saw a photo on my Twitter the other day. I had a photo of the bench, the wide receiver bench. I assume it's from last year. And it had Marvin Harrison Jr. on the left side, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba all on the mm. same wide receiver bench. And these dudes are all going to be rocking in the NFL for a decade. That's awesome. So take maybe not a sure thing, but as close to one as you're going to get at the five in Jackson Smith and Jigba. Taylor, you've been seeing Jackson Smith's praises since before last year. I think coming into last season, like 2022's, no, 2021 season you liked him a lot. How does this make you feel to see him go one spot ahead of you? Well, as the the resident individual who is always taking the injured guy, i.e. John Mechie, the third James Williams, (laughs) Travis Etienne, you name it. I probably drafted it. Uh, Especially he's on the IR for some odd reason. I get really warm and fuzzy inside and go, I want to draft that guy. <laughs> um, 
but watching him in the Rose Bowl, like you just don't forget an image like that. And I was completely sold on him from that performance alone. And just kind of going back through and and, and uh, Jance, to your point, just the speed and the smoothness to his route running is amazing to think about. And considering that wide receiver room last year, I mean, you have him, Marvison Harrison Jr., which I am all drooling about for 2024, and I'm sure the rest of us are. Then you also have the likes of Garrett Wilson and then, of course, a Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Not too shabby. Been kind of kick, uh, kicking butt this past year in the NFL. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, I mean, watching him and Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. carve it up in the Rose Bowl, I mean, it's insane. And I, I agree with you. The the injury part of it, and especially if you're drafting fifth, I mean, I feel like Jackson at that point is a steal. Um, I, I think he'll honestly go between that three three to five, and he may... Let's say he's able to come back for the combine or, you know, shows out in his pro day. And uh, I, I think he may be able to climb up the board. And it also has something to do with, and we've talked about this, it's, it depends on the fit. Where is he going? Is he going to, I don't know, say the Bears? Uh, I mean, I know they don't have a first-round pick right now, but you, you, you never know. You never know. Well, the Bears have 101. like an idiot they're not gonna take up one-on-one though (laughs) no he may trade back the bears are a perfect spot to trade back with somebody who is thirsty for the quarterback um to take jackson smith and jigba chance what you got but just real quickly what i wanted to say is he's gonna get a lot of hype leading up to the season there's no doubt but i could see a scenario where in your drafts assuming you play in a regular league where you've got some people that just are not as dialed into this as perhaps us three are you you may be able to get Jackson Smith and Jigba a little bit later, maybe like I was able to get Garrett Wilson at the 108 or something like that, simply because you're going to have a few people in your league that are just not – they're going to know that he didn't play last year, and they're just not going to be able to recognize the name value quite as much as maybe somebody else. Because you know there's going to be at least one or two dudes in your league that not playing that last year is going to scare them off, at least from not drafting maybe as high as we see that. So – hopefully you've got somebody like that in your league and you could take advantage of it because like Taylor said, I mean, this is a one Oh three to one Oh five guy, even in super flex drafts. Taylor, you want to gush a little bit more about your boy, Jackson Smith? No. Cause I, I feel like I need to take the, the role of uh, once you have heartbreak of someone being taken, uh, you have to figure out, okay, who am I going to take now since the guy that I was infatuated with gets taken, i.e. Jamar Chase, and I will never forgive you. Hey, three dynasty leagues, baby. I know. Three I know. <laughs> even, a mock, you know. even a mock drafts, you were doing it. Just for spite. <laughs> Just for spite. Um, well, I will quickly say that Jackson Smith and Jig was currently my number one by a decent margin just because he's six foot, 200 pounds. I always thought he was six foot, like a buck 80. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be okay. He could be a value. Like Taylor was saying, like, I don't, don't be shocked if in our OG league, unless chance takes him at one of his three, cause it was one of his first three first round picks, which oh, I hate. It's, it's going to be fun. No, it's not. Cause I got spite voted out of it. Cause those jerks were butt hurt. Anyways. It's a long um, story. It is a long story, but anyways, <laughs> he's currently my number one by a decent margin. Cause I think he's the most complete wide receiver in this class. Taylor. I'm sorry, I'll quit twisting the knife. Who are you taking to 106? Um, so I, I have it narrowed down to two wide receivers. I th- I'm either going to take Quinta, uh, Quentin Johnston or Jordan Addison. Um, Jordan Addison has had a terrific run out of the, at being a slot wide receiver and then also kind of having a little bit of the X wide receiver this year with USC and having two different dynamic quarterbacks. This year he's had Caleb Williams and the last year he had uh, Kenny Pickett. Um. <laughs> Both uh, two quarterbacks, not too shabby. Then in the case of Quinta, uh, Quentin Johnston, Quentin Johnston, who, by the way, is six foot four, 215 pounds is what he's listed at. So he's probably closer to maybe six, three and a half and probably closer to 225. Either way, the dude is a ginormous beast and is just blazing fast. He had Max Duggan as a quarterback, and then he also had Chandler Morris as his quarterback until this year and then was really able to get going, had over a thousand yards. He uh, performed 
incredibly in the Michigan game and then got completely obliterated and locked up by Kelly Ringo in the uh, championship game. That gives me pause for concern um, because in some instances you may only be the only playmaker, i.e. the Cowboys, <laughs> where you are expected to make the plays and I don't, I'm hoping he's able to develop it, but I'm I'm getting shades of like Traylon Burks, but better. Like, I feel like he's a better version of Traylon Burks and no offense to Traylon Burks. So it's like, is he going to be AJ Brown? Is he going to be? I, I don't know. I guess you say, you say you're getting 50 shades of concern. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, And I feel like Jordan Addison may be the, the more conservative pick, but I'm, I'm feeling risky. Um, because I went conservative with Bryce Young, so I'm going to pick uh, Quentin Johnston. I talked myself into it. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, just because he was a, that drag catch in the Michigan game, just watching him blaze down the field and breaking a few tackles, that's that's pretty impressive. The, the, the big thing for me with him is I it just scares me because he's <laughs> – Right, he's, he's right. Traylon Burks, but I, I just kind of feel like he's Traylon Burks. Period, because he's mostly a one-year wonder. He kind of came out of nowhere. Don't get me wrong; all the tools are there, but didn't we say most of the same things about Traylon last year? And I wasn't the biggest fan of Traylon then. But what I what I would say about this once once again to my untrained eye, I think Quinn Johnson's much more refined than Traylon Burks is. Doesn't mean he is as refined as a Jackson right. or Jordan Addison. I'm not saying that, but he's got a, a much wider route tree than Traylon had. Cause that was the one thing I was going to bring up that he actually runs routes. Right. And we all knew that with Traylon is a freak athlete, freak speed, combination of size and speed, hard to find, but he was very raw. And we knew the Titans were going to work on that. Quentin Johnston to me comes out of college as a guy that has those similar qualities, but he is a little bit more refined and we've seen it a little bit more. Right. Um, um, and so I, that's why I'm really high on him and why I said he's he's close to that Jackson Smith and Jigba level to me. Because as all of us, as, as three guys that have watched plenty of Big 12 football, anytime I got a chance to watch a TCU game, which was quite a bit this year because they were on national television a lot, I mean, other than that national championship game where Max Duggan didn't have a whole lot of time to throw anyway, I mean, he just dominated whoever was on the opposite side of him. Yep. Um, and, and maybe you're right. Maybe he profiles as a bigger guy. I'm not saying he's Mike Evans, not the same guy, but just a, a bigger guy that wins more down the field. Sometimes those guys can get locked up by bigger cornerbacks. Um, so we'll see. But he 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 wins majority of his, of his matchups. And the speed that he has with that frame, like you mentioned in that Michigan game, I mean, he was just running past dudes. So it's hard to find. And really, I, I love everything about him for the most part. Besides the fact of playing at a school like TCU in the Big 12, while there's a lot of competition, you would like to see somebody like an SEC school where you know you're playing top defenses consistently. With him, it's a little bit of a question mark, but it's, it wouldn't deter me by any means. I will I'll certainly say this before we pick up a little bit of steam, because I do want to try to get through the second round, potentially the third, if we can with this mock draft, because there's a lot of good talent. Um Quentin Johnson is going to be a very situational dependent. I know I've said that about most rookies, but this guy more so. Because, like, I feel yep. like if Traylon went to a passing first offense or at least, you know, more of a 60-40 yeah. or even 55-45, I feel like I'd have had him higher because that team would focus more on being a professional wide receiver. Quentin Johnston, I feel like, is the same way. And some mocks, I mean, I've seen him fall down. Like, God forbid, if he goes to the Chiefs, hold on to your freaking horses. Or if he goes to the Chargers or, you know, just kind of a team that has yeah. a, an established quarterback – Shoot the Eagles. He may get drafted the back end of the first. Um, I feel like that's whenever his stock will rise for me because yeah. I feel like he will need coached up. And if he doesn't, then he's just going to be, you know, once again, Doriel Green Beckham. If you don't know the name, say I say that on purpose. Cowboys? Go look it up. He, it, he keep, could work. Keep, keep the local talent in town. It, it'd be lovely. Um, the work. one. And I, I I agree with you, uh, Jance, on that, and and Jacob about the the offenses, especially with uh, Garrett Riley and that Lincoln Riley esque offense. It translates a lot better to the NFL versus a Kendall Bryles that comes from that Baylor tree. Um, 
it, it just doesn't translate well. And I, I think that's the reason you're seeing a lot of that gap with Traylon. Uh, but I think if Quentin has the work ethic, which clearly, as you can see, he's progressed each year. If he continues that in the NFL, he hopefully has a bright future. So for my pick at the 107, um, the, so I will, once again, I know we kind of said this last year, I think, like we do most drafts. But once you get to like this point, I feel like from about the one six in this particular draft through about probably the two five to two six, it's all going to be variable depending on landing spot. But right here, the one seven, I'm going to take Zach Evans um, just because. Really? So, yeah, because I like what okay. I've seen from Ole Miss. I know he's got a little bit of some stiff hips, but coming out of high school, he was ranked ahead of Bijan all the way until the very last week of recruiting. Okay. And then they flipped. Um when I watch Zach Evans, I do have, like I said, the concerns about having stiff hips, but if he gets into a one cut and go offense, like the New Orleans saints or potentially even like um, the dolphins to a degree, because I know that they need speed and Zach Evans has speed for days. I just think that he has the skill set to be on the field all the time because he's got soft hands. I mean, he's a TCU transfer who went to Ole Miss. Um, he's got soft hands to catch passes. He's got, Pretty good pass blocking chops. We'll need to work with that. But, I mean, outside of that, just as a runner, I feel like he has that He has that upside to be the guy who can potentially, you know, supplant the previous three draft picks with just their overall value. So, 1-7 is Zach Evans for me. Um, the, it's, it feels kind of gross just because there's about five other guys that I feel are in the same-ish tier. But Zach Evans, I feel like, has the the upside of it. Um any quick thoughts on one seven? I, I, I like the pick. He's got as high of an upside as anybody in this draft because going back to high school, this has been documented, obviously, but him and Bijan were both perceived as the two best running backs in their class, both five stars. Um, and for a long time, Zach Evans was actually considered better than or a higher rated prospect mm -hmm. than Bijan and went to TCU and played really well. Um, his biggest problem, both with on the field and off the field slightly is just that he hasn't been able to put it all together. I mean, yeah. we've seen it in burst where we've seen the flash, we've seen the talent, we've seen the athleticism. I mean, there's not really anything on the football field uh, as a running back that he can't do. I mean, mm -hmm. he does it all. It's just, we haven't seen it consistently game after game, play from play. If he can put all that together, then he's got the talent and ability that he can be in that upper echelon right there with Bijan, right there with Jameer Gibbs, right there with the top echelon of NFL running back. So I love the pick from the upside perspective. It's just that I, for those same reasons, he's got a lower floor than some other guys as yeah. well. But in my opinion, whenever you're doing rookie mock drafts, not that floor doesn't matter, but, I mean, shoot for the stars, dude. Get get, the, get those guys with high upside because at the end of the day, you're only going to win your fantasy leagues if you get elite prospects. You're not winning with mid-tier dudes. Especially here at, like, the 1-7, that means you miss the playoffs by just a blink. So if he does hit, he's popping off and he's carrying your roster. Uh, Jance, who are you taking at 1-8? One 1-8, eight? One eight, I'm going to go ahead and take the receiver that hasn't been taken that's Stockton. right up there, and that's, that's Jordan Addison. Um, he doesn't profile as that ex-receiver like a Jackson Smith and Jigbo or Quentin Johnson, perhaps. But that doesn't mean he can't do it. To Taylor's credit, he played quite a bit of it at USC, even though he's a smaller guy, about six foot, 175-ish, I believe, um, maybe a little bit shorter. Um, but, I mean, all this guy has done is just produced everywhere. I mean, he produced at Pittsburgh um, with Kenny Pickett and then was one of the most sought-after transfer uh, prospects in last year's transfer portal, obviously went to USC, had another great year. So he's produced at two different places. Um, and a guy that profiles as a slot receiver just doesn't have the negative connotation that he used to. I mean, used to, especially in fantasy circles, a slot receiver was pegged as a guy that topped out as probably a top 20, top 15 fantasy guy. But we've got premier wide receivers these days playing exclusively out of the slot. I mean, CeeDee Lamb lives there for the Cowboys and does great. So, I mean, and you said premier wide receivers, though. And he had 120 <laughs> yards last night. <laughs> I had to say, I had to say. Um, so that shouldn't scare anybody away. He's he's got as high of a floor as anybody in this draft class. So I I love him at, at the 108. Remember, Jance is also the guy who was the highest on Devonta Smith coming out as a rookie. Not a knock. I got to step real quick. I got I got a 50 cent. I saw this today. Fine, fine, bring it. Last 10 games for the Eagles. If you include the postseason, Devonta Smith actually has more fantasy points, PPR fantasy points than A.J. Brown, and about 12 more targets. So I'm not saying 
He's better than AJ Brown. I'm saying this guy is showing why he was such a stud at Alabama. That's not what I just heard. Taylor, who are you taking at one nine? <laughs> Ooh, this is a tough pick here. Um, I I think I want to go running back here, and it's between, in my opinion, Tucker Charbonnet and Bixby. Ooh. I like Tank Bixby because. He, I agree. Well, I mean, yeah. I I mean, that that definitely, it's like, you know, Zeus White. I mean, it's, I mean, come on. But, I mean, he was literally the offense at Auburn. And it it was a shame that he did not have more help. And so, I mean, he ran almost consistently for back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons minus like 30 yards. He had 970 last year for a 5-7 and Auburn team, and he was literally the offense. Zach Charbonnet had his best year yet as a running back for the UCLA Bruins with 1,300 yards. And, you know, we've talked about Zach Charbonnet on on this podcast, how explosive he is. I have concerns about him playing it against Pac-12 defenses. I know that the Pac-12 has improved um, increasingly over the last two years. Uh, So... You know, if I want to take a risk at at, at that point at, at the 109, um, I, I don't know if I am. You know, if I'm in the playoffs, I want to kind of be a little bit more conservative. I know I'm speaking against what Jance just said, but I'm kind of more of the person that plays it close to the belt. Stick with the ones that, you know, stick with the ones that, that brung you. And I'm going to take Tank Bigsby here because I know running backs in and out of the SEC are going to be productive, whereas Zach Charbonnet... He has the potential to do that. I just don't know if he's going to be able to do it at a consistent basis at the next level. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is the spot where the depth of the running back class of 2023 really comes into play because yep. from about, you know, I could say like the one one eight-ish right now to about the two four, I could see it being just straight running backs because of the upside that this class has that it brings mm-hmm. to the table. Um, and, and so... I was going to say, it's amazing, and we'll get to this. Just going through the names of running back, this is such a deep class. I mean, dudes that we haven't even thought about yet that we'll get to, being like a Deuce Vaughn, who all this guy did was produce mm-hmm. at Kansas State. Um, it's just it's, – it's amazing. It's There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to fill in the NFL, and really I'm interested in what running back rooms are going to be affected from this that are currently obviously <laughs> happening right now. So – yeah. I, it, it, Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to, I was just going to say going to the depth chart. I mean, the top two running backs uh, for rushing yards was Muhammad Ibrahim and then chase Brown out of Illinois. So you have two big 10 running backs that are still that had some injury concerns or the fact that they were in a run first offense with the Brett Bielema style in Illinois. But I mean, those, those could be bell cows down, down the road. I mean, you never know. Real quick, I know we're on we're on the move here, but this is the type of draft that I think you can you may want to trade down in to those that second round, even the early third. Used to usually the third round is a dead zone for us. I mean, nobody wants those picks unless you already have them. Like we mentioned, I mean, Marvin Mims is back here at receiver, great at Oklahoma, um, and just like you mentioned, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, all these dudes, Eric Gray from Oklahoma, just truly. Elite talent in some of these areas are just going to be steals for people this year. So, with that being said, I I know if you listen to one of our last previous episodes, I took a surprise pick. I would say the one eight, I think, in a single quarterback. I'm falling in love with Izzy Abanaconda out of Pittsburgh. Go watch his film. You will like what you see. He's got great contact bounce. He's got great burst. Uh, I know he kind of was a late bloomer on the scene. But every time I watch him, I come away more impressed um, with how he played football, with how his final year at um, West Virginia, no, Pittsburgh, as how at how he was used. He is going to be a guy that in the draft season is going to rise up people's boards like crazy. And I'm hoping that it ignores our leagues and I can sneak him in somehow in the back half of the draft because he's he's my boy this early in the draft process. Um, Chance 111. Yeah, so this is where I'm going to take that Will Levis bullet at 111. Oh. Um, <laughs> so one of us had to. I'm glad it's not me. I, I, well, but it goes to my my strategy that, like like Taylor just mentioned, we're a little bit on the opposite end of the spectrum. I like to look for upside. Despite what the negatives are, and there are many, 
this is about as high of an upside play as you're going to have in this entire draft. Especially the 111 in a super flex to get potentially sure, sure. like. And I'll be surprised if he makes it back that far in your regular draft because somebody is going to love him. Somebody. Like this, this is going to be the Kenny Pickett ish guy. It's like I don't necessarily want to take him, but because that chance is there, I'm going to take him. Carry on. But, and, and he falls into a kind of place to where if you're if you're at the 111, you're already a good roster. You would assume. Um, so maybe you can afford to have the luxury of just taking a chance on a high upside guy. Maybe your quarterback room is already pretty good, but you just want to add a third guy that you think has some high upside. This is a perfect pick for you because he's got the frame. It's been talked about. He's got the arm strength, all that stuff. He wanted a quarterback. Now it's time to see if he can read defenses and he can survive in the NFL. If he can do that, this could be very productive. If he doesn't, then you just chalk it up to, hey, I knew I was taking a risk. And you're gonna you have burned him. the 111. Oh, well. Uh, Taylor, round out our first round, then I'll give a recap of it before we move on to the second round. With Once again, more steam. Yeah. No, I'm going to take uh, Keandre Miller. Who? Ke- uh, Kondre, uh, is it Kendry Miller? Kendry? Kendre from TCU. Yeah, Kendre Miller. I was really confused. Well, um, you know, he was a, a great running back for TCU um, this year, and especially with that Riley offense and that counter guard tackle pool, uh, really being able to gash teams and a really good one-two punch there uh, for TCU. And one of the reasons that I'm drafting him here at the 112 is I was able to see what happened to the offense when he was not in the ball game, not only in that Michigan game, but obviously just not having them in the lineup available for the Georgia game, not saying it would have made a difference in the outcome, but just the, the fact of being able to have that change of pace running back. And he can definitely be a bell cow potential. And I mean, the speed, the cuts, uh, the strength, the, the dude has all the tools capable to be a top NFL running back. Is he going to be like the number one premier running back? No, but I could see him being a combo running back, very similar to Tony Pollard, where he may just eclipse a thousand yards, but he's not going to be, you know, Derrick Henry running for 1,800 yards and 30 touchdowns. To bring the first round to a close, what I will say so far, I think what maybe we can have a loose agreement with. Okay. I feel like there are three running backs that are kind of stand out that if they hit could be a top five fantasy running back. And that's obviously Bijan Jameer Gibbs. And then I think Zach Evans probably sneaks into that, that if they hit their their tier, like their highest point, that they're going to be top five dynasty running backs. Everyone else, I feel like they're going to be good. Don't get yep. me wrong, but I feel like they're more like running back 15 to 20. Like they're not going to necessarily sink the boat. They might be like, a worse version of Miles Sanders, not to poke somebody in the room, Chance. <laughs> but uh, there's nothing I, wrong with that. I just feel like they're going to be kind of like, if it gets put together in one year, they're going to be better. And then, you know, it's just going to be real touchdown back and forth. Uh, do you guys have any like 20 second thoughts with that? I agree with that sentiment. And I, I think it, you, you hit the nail on the head, but I do think amongst these running backs, there is going to be one or two guys in the second round that are oh, going 100. to be. Yes, we just don't know who it's going to be. Exactly. This is pre knowing anything about them near the NFL. I think those are three guys. But for the first round in a super flex was Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Bryce Young at the three, CJ Stroud at four, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston and Zach Evans at seven, Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from USC at eight, Tank Bigsby at nine, my boy Israel Abanaconda at 10, and Will Levis at 11, Kendra Miller at 12. Um, different than I thought it was going to go, but that's why we do these things because it keeps you on your toes. Um, now going back to the running back depth. Well, here, I'm going to take Chase Brown out of Illinois. I know Jance is probably about to take Devin a chain because I see that look on his face. Um, <laughs> a train, uh, just this guy, he, he's not going to be anything. I don't think like necessarily flashy or special, but he's going to be the early down grinder who has the potential to catch a couple, like 20 passes a year. But I think that if you're looking for a stable running back for a roster, it's going to be this guy, especially if he goes to somewhere like Miami or I know I say this every year, but if there's a big power guy that goes to the Chargers, there's going to be heavy value there. And so I feel like, you know, if he does end up in one of those spots, he can find himself somewhere right through here-ish, depending on, you know, landing spot. Chance, do I just need to write down a chain right now? I do love A-Chain, but it's actually not who I'm going with here. Ooh, um, I'm going to take Sean Tucker out of Syracuse. Good choice. To, to be fair, we're getting to the point of the draft where my knowledge on these guys is a little bit less. It'll, it'll come forward as we get further into the offseason. Um, 
But what I do know about Sean Tucker is this is a guy that's had two great seasons, and we forget that his last season, 2021, this dude rushed for almost 1,500 yards, mm-hmm. um, almost 500 more than he did this year, and he had a great year this year as well. Um, he's got a great frame at a guy that's 5'10", 205, and he can catch the football as well. I mean, he's caught over 250 yards each year. Um, and so in, in my what I've heard with him is this is a guy that profiles to – do it all from standpoint of he can run between the tackles, he can catch the football, he's got a good frame. So he's got the ability to be that three-down back. And as you guys know, obviously, whenever you're picking running backs, you want a guy that has the tools that can be on the field for all three downs. That's where the value comes into play. This is a guy that profiles to do that. And now we should just see if he goes to a destination that allows him to uh, to show his talents. Um, I concur. <laughs> uh, Taylor, take it away, two, three. Let's, let's blaze through. Let's see if we can get to – all right. The the next guy I'm going to take here is Chase Brown, the running back out of Illinois. I took, had... him. I took him at 2 1. <laughs> Get on my level, son. <laughs> All right. I'll take Muhammad Ibrahim. Good choice. I'll take Muhammad Ibrahim because you took my guy, Chase Brown. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, Muhammad was a guy you and I talked about last year before yeah. he tore his ACL in that opener. But, anyways, carry on real quick. Yeah. He had a huge opener against Ohio State before. Uh, you know, coming back, he is one of the downsides is he is 24 years old, uh, but he did rush for over 600 yards this this year for Minnesota, had a really strong uh, year back, and I think he'll be an extremely productive uh, running back. But once again, the question becomes, he is one of those older running backs, so we're going to run into what we're seeing now with Najee Harris kind of having some aches and pains, and he does have that injury history. So, you know, when you draft him, make sure you have a full understanding of that, that this guy has been injury prone, but when he's on, he is on his game. I'm going to go ahead and we'll just keep this running back trend continuing because this is a really deep drive. Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. It just, he's going to be a thick boy that when he lands in a good spot, he's going to get the first and second down carries for sure. Um, And don't be surprised if they kind of increase his usage in the passing game as the season unfolds. Go ahead and give me go ahead and give me the best tight end on the board here, Michael Mayer from Notre, Notre Dame. I'm here for um, it. Guy does it all. Good blocker, great pass catcher. All he does is be productive for Notre Dame. Um, I've heard that he's a slightly less athletic TJ Hawkinson, which I'm if okay you've seen TJ Hawkinson <laughs> with the Vikings, that is not an insult. So this is a guy that projects to be top 10 fantasy tight end once he finds his footing here in the NFL. Taylor? I'm going to take Marvin Mims here. Wide receiver Homer. out of Oklahoma. Homer pick. Ooh. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I do not care. I do not care. Um, you know, the 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 last two years, he was kind of more of that slot gadget player, and this year, in that kind of Baylor esque offense, he became a very productive down the field uh, catch. And so, I think he'll be able to with his speed in until he's able to kind of figure out uh, defenses and become a better route runner overall. His, his speed is going to be the reason that he's able to get on the field. 2-7, Rishi Rice. I said it in the one draft I did by myself. Listen, this is another guy who's going to fly up draft boards. Homeboy is 6'2", two, two, I believe 205, maybe 210. 6'2", um, 206. Uh, he did everything at SMU. He would run out of the slot. He would run it from the exposition. I mean, he had where to go. On this season, he had 96 receptions for 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. And this is with other teams knowing that he was the only way SMU was going to move the ball. Rishi Rice, he's going to be a fun one to watch. My only concern is if he's just is only a big slot. I would have concerns, but not too much concerns because I believe in the talent. I'd like to pick. Um, Better like the, to pick or I'll kick you out. <laughs> for the 208, I'm going to take Josh Downs. This is a guy that I actually – have profiled not too far behind the wide receivers we've already taken, being those top three. I mean, talk about production. This All this dude has done is be productive at UNC. It's going to be a year he had this year. He had 1,300 yards last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's he's great. He's a little bit undersized from the standpoint of being 5'10", 175, much closer um, to that Jordan Addison size. But once again, we talked about it. Um, these guys can, find, can make a living in the NFL and be super productive. Um, and I think he's a guy that can do it. And what's funny is he's another guy that I feel like if he weighed a buck eighty-five, even he moves up the strap board significantly. Um, Taylor, one nine. I'm taking Deuce Vaughn 
out of Kansas State. Um, you know, they, they say he's the second coming of uh, Darren Sproles, but I think he's a, a much more tougher runner than um, Darren was in, in his heyday. You know, 1,400 yards in 2021. He's rushed for over 1,500 yards and a Big 12 champion in uh, 2022. Not to mention he had over 100 yards in the bowl game uh, against Alabama nonetheless. So keep a lookout for Deuce Vaughn, especially with it being a late pick. Uh, the one sin, since Chance likes to take upside, and I hope this hurts his soul just a little bit, I'm going to take Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida, just because he has all of the physical traits that if he puts it together, he could be otherworldly. But that's a big booty. Like, it's a thick old booty. Like, there's like four <laughs> C's in that thing. It will take a big step forward, and it better take a year of sitting behind someone who knows what they're doing at the quarterback position to get there. That, that was going to be my pick, so good on <laughs> Um but as a result, I'll, I'll take somebody I would love to get the 211. You're already writing it in. <laughs> Devin A. Chain. Um, under, smaller dude in the compared to the running backs in this class, but super explosive, great catcher of the football. So it, it may be hard for him to get on the field for all three downs, but he's explosive enough that he could be a guy that could have more than that 10 to 12 touch range and still get you quality fantasy points. Taylor, 112. I'm taking uh, Ty J Spears out of Tulane. Um, they went from two and ten to ten and two, and uh, you know won the uh, American Athletic Conference and are the Cotton Bowl Classic winners against USC. And one of the big reasons for that was because of Ty J Spears. Dude had he just shredded people. Keep a yeah. lookout. I I really like that one a lot. He's a guy who could sneak up, but once again. I think feel like I've said that about like five guys and that's all been in the second round. Uh, yeah. And to quickly recap that chase Brown running back from Illinois was the two one then Sean Tucker, Muhammad Ibrahim, who I really love as a talent, but he is kind of older. Zach Charbonnet at two, four, uh, then Michael Mayer, the best tight end from this draft at two, five Marvin Mims, Rishi Rice, then Josh Downs, who was, you watch him play and he will love how Josh Downs plays. He makes fantastic catches. Uh, Deuce Vaughn and Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida, Devin A. Chain and Ty J. Spears. Let's sprint through the third round just for kicks and gigs because I just I want to get as many names out there in people's minds to kind of help it right. just soak in to so just be someone else to you know, look at. And with that being said, I'm, I'm going to take Dwayne McBride, the UAB product. Um, he's a running back once again because this draft is just filled with guys who – have that potential to pop. And if you need a running back, this is the draft for you. And luckily that's like all of my rosters. At the 302, give me, give me Kayshawn. I, I'm going to totally butcher his name. No, it's, it's uh, exactly how you think. It's Kayshawn Booty. Go ahead. That's <laughs> I'm going to take. Dude that hasn't quite produced like you'd like to in college, but has the frame and the pedigree that you want in an NFL wide receiver. If, if this holds true, he's probably going to be one of the best picks of this draft because he has the ability and the potential to probably be drafted in the back end of the first. But because, like you said, he just could never put it together for whatever reason and is a little bit of a diva, that's it. Uh, Taylor, 3-3. I'm taking Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. I, I think he has the potential to be in that Desmond Ritter-type mold in the sense of you draft him, you throw him on your shelf, and there's going to start to see potential at the end of 2023 for some really crappy team. <laughs> I like that little last second throw in there. There you um, go. <laughs> I'm going to go to wide receiver. Uh, I'm going to take Xavier Hutchinson here out of Iowa State. He is one of my... Once again, love children that just might be on all my rosters by the draft season. Well, he's a big guy, big frame, big catches. Loved him to death. Hated him when he played my OSU Cowboys, though. Me, Jalen Hyatt at the 305, best receiver in college football this past year. All he does is catch long distance passes. Very Deshaun Jackson esque. All right. So I'm going to take Dalton Kincaid. The tight end out of Utah, he was one of the most consistent pass catchers for the Utah Utes and one of the major reasons they've been to back-to-back Rose Bowls and Pac-12 champions. Kind of reminds me of Dulcich a little bit. Um, a little bit. Oh, man, we're running out of time. Just go running back. I'm going to take Roshan Johnson, the backup to Bijan from Texas. Fantastic talent, just never had a chance to. So Eric Gray at the next pick. Loved him in Oklahoma. Severely underrated running back, in my opinion. 
Anyway, we're sprinting. All right. I'm going to take Darnell Washington, 6'7", 270. Enough said. You would take the big boy. I'm taking the unit. <laughs> um, absolute upside swing. Cameron Peoples from Appalachian State. Fell in love with him last year when he upset somebody. Moving on. Uh, let's do Darnell Washington. Already uh, taken. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> screwed me up. Come uh, on. Already taken. Oh, my God. Look at the spreadsheet. <laughs> I am looking at Trey Palmer. Okay, we'll put it down. Taylor, hurry. I'm taking Ronnie Bell. All right, he's a wide receiver. Thank you for joining us. Misfit Twitter. On Twitter, Misfit underscore FF. Email me.misfit.ff at gmail.com. Thanks, my homies, for being here. Look us up everywhere. In case you missed the calamity there at the end, um, you can find us on Twitter at Misfit underscore FF or through our email at v.misfit.ff at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening to the craziness that was the the first three-person mock draft Superflex version for the 2023 season. Once again, let us know what you think. This will be posted on Twitter after the release of the podcast. Um, just let us know what you think. Give us the dirty beats. Give us all the info you want. We're here for all your fantasy football questions, commissioner questions, and anything else you might want to throw at us. Once again, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us on whatever platform you may be listening from, especially Apple, because if we have more comments and more ratings, we get better up on the algorithm, and that means we may make real money at some point. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. Catch you on the flip side.